First of all, thanks for joining us, Ben, and thank you all for coming. Um, just a quick note on the format before we get cracking. I'm going to be chatting to Ben for an hour or so, and then we'll open, the, um, open it up to the floor for questions for 10, 15 minutes. Um, if you don't get time to ask a question that you want to ask, then Ben will be around for a little while afterwards, along with his commissioning team, so feel free to approach them afterwards if you'd prefer to do that. And, uh, and uh, you know me, I will answer any question, but it would be really good if while we're in the public forum, the question is something that might be useful to a number of people, rather than, you know, if you want to slag me off or, you know, berate me for something I did or didn't do, we can do that privately afterwards. Uh, <laughs> Unless that slagging is going to be useful. Unless the slagging is, of course, useful for everybody else in the room, in which case, absolutely slag away. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Ben, you've four years into the job now, um, just over. Just over. Um, is it fair, in your perspective, is Channel 5 still a channel in transition for you? Um, I think it's less in transition now and more... It, there's a little bit of transition to go, and then it becomes about maintaining and continually trying to refresh and maintain. I mean, I still say, you know, rightly or wrongly, but of course I always think I'm right. I don't think any other channel has gone through the journey that Channel 5 has over the last four years. If you look at what we do now, you look at what programmes we have, the range of programmes, the ambition of our programmes, the quality of the programmes, the amount of origination. Given four years ago, we were still playing CSI, NCIS, The Mentalist, Law and Order, at nine o'clock across the week. Um, we are a, a super-evolved channel. Um, I think we have our successful eight o'clock and nine o'clock returning hits, which I'm delighted to say we've been adding to this year. Um, so we've got even more 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock returning hits. We are continually trying new things. We are increasingly ambitious in our specialist factual, particularly with history. We are, particularly, uh, we are increasingly ambitious with our documentaries. We have earned the right to make some really risky, brave, innovative programmes, some of which, when we commissioned them, we're not even sure we're actually going to get anything. Um, that, is how, uh, that is how strong a position we are in as regards commercially being viable for the channel. And so we've earned the right to be able to take more risks. Um, I think there's a little bit of evolution to go this year. We are going to be moving into some more hybrid genres. Um, the success of Rich House, Poor House last week was very encouraging because that, that was a very different kind of show for us. I, I thought it would do 800, 900,000. I never thought it would do a million. Um, in fact, I said to poor Guy, who was the commissioner the night before, you know, don't be, don't be depressed tomorrow when the ratings come through and you've got a flop on your hands. Because it was, it was that formatted documentary that we've not tried. We've done everything sort of quite straight. But it does open the doors for another bit of a wave, which, and we've got a, a few of those kind of shows coming through. Um, it was uh, a great testament to the positive tone that we wanted to bring to the channel. <clears throat> Pre-Brexit, we, we changed sort of direction and wanted to lose more of the negative stuff and bring in a lot more positivity. Um, but I do think that in about a year's time, almost the key, the, 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 the big work will be done. Mm. And then it becomes about refreshing, maintaining, renewing. You know, we had a big push last year for 1634, it was up 11% as a, as a family, which was great. Um, I, I worried for a year and a half about where are my ABC1s. We've got to get the ABC1s. This year, we've really brought the ABC1s. I mean, we've had a cracking year for ABC1s. Um, so you're always looking for the new audience to bring in as one audience fades away. There are different times of year, different 
shows on other ch channels that you've got to compete against. When everybody else goes young, we'll go up. We'll go up market. When um, everybody else is up market, we would go young or vice versa, whatever. Um, but I do think that the big pieces will be done within a year, yeah. I think that that's the sort of, the, the, the total framework of Channel 5 has been completed in terms of my vision and where I wanted it to be. And do you feel that <clears throat> critics and audiences have been responding to the work you've been doing? It's taken a while, as it inevitably well, would I, be. Well, I think the viewers really love us. Yeah. I mean, we're getting great ratings. I, I, I found out last week our average rating at 8 o'clock is 1.2 million. And our average rating at 9 o'clock is 1.6 million. Well, I think that's pretty fucking damn good. You know? Um, that's better than a lot of other channels. Mm. Um, and our average rating at 10 o'clock is 800,000. So uh, I think the viewers really like what we're doing. And we, I, I met Kevin Ligo on Friday. He talked about the ITV revolution. Scary. Uh, I think we're more evolution. I was very aware that I inherited a channel. It was in a good place. Um, it was quite male skewing, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There was no point in me, you know, going in there and throwing everything out and do, let's do a load of property or let's do whatever, whatever, whatever. We, we had to lead the viewer by the hand to not frighten the horses. You know, so certain things that they liked, um, very sensibly we kept them in the schedule. If it rated, it should absolutely have a place to stay. Um, and then we gradually introduced them to new things and we gradually understood our view, or I understood the Channel 5 viewer, and where it was and what it wanted, and where it was happy to go to potentially, but where it wasn't happy to go to. I remember when I came, New Lives in the Wild with Ben Fogel had actually been commissioned, um, and it was called Where the Wild Men Are. Well, I'm pretty damn sure that if it was still called wild, wild, Where the Wild Men Are, it would not be rating. So it was, how can we be as accessible as possible? How can we be as, as, as populist, as inclusive as possible? And then when that works, you kind of go, ah, oh, now they like that, so we can give them a little bit more, we can give them a little bit more. And we gradually take them on this journey. Um, so I think the viewers have really liked what we've given them. They haven't liked some things. Uh, we've had a <coughs> number of turkeys in our time. Um, but our strike rate is better than our failure rate, I think. I think increasingly the uh, all-important critics and uh, chattering classes, you know, the, the broadsheets are writing nice things about us, yourself included. It's much appreciated. Much appreciated. And, you know, when we do something like um, MPs behind closed doors, which gets 300,000 viewers at 9 o'clock, which is not very good, it's worth it because you read every single broadcast sheet and they write a positive review about it. You go, this is just helping to change perceptions of Channel 5. We can play with the big boys. We do grown-up television as well. We make really responsible <coughs> television. We take our responsibilities very seriously, etc., etc. The ones we haven't yet cracked are the, are the bloody middle-class television people who are more snobby than anybody in this country. And um, I really, really, really struggle with the negative, sneery attitude towards Channel 5 from a lot of people within the television industry. You know, we're all creative people. We all have jobs to do. There are a lot of different channels. Channels have different responsibilities. We really need to, you know, at a time when we're talking about inclusivity, we need to be a little bit more bloody inclusive, frankly. Yeah, okay. There you go. Um, <laughs> that's me told. Um, so the, um, we've, we've, got some, we've got a couple of clips. You mentioned some, um, some of the kind of bigger, um, bigger kind of one-off shows that have been big hits for you. Um, we've got a little clip of um, Ganglands, The Accused, and Slum Britain. So these are some of our high-end uh, reputation pieces. Um, very briefly, Gangland uh, was one of those pieces where we gave cameras to a gang 
uh, maroon pictures, gave cameras. I wasn't sure whether we would get the cameras back. We didn't know how long, what, what we would get. But basically, they filmed themselves, and then it was edited down. It was a really, really exciting project, which did extraordinarily well for us. Um, the Accused took two and a half years to make, but we loved the idea of following someone for the minute they get the knock on the door when they're accused of a crime to see how that plays out, and then you get the verdict at the end. And Slum Britain, um, 50 years on, uh, a remarkable piece of television, a 90-minute piece of television, which has now inspired the modern Britain strand that we just announced last week on Channel 5. This is Britain, just 50 years ago, when slums were the bottom rung of the social ladder. We had a housing crisis then, and we have one now. Looking at it now, it's grim. In London 2016, according to the Metropolitan Police, there are 225 different gangs that are operating across the city. You went to the police and told no, them lies? I didn't, no, I didn't go to the police and tell them lies. I so it is the truth? That does not make me someone who is abusive to children because I'm not. If they think that, then they think we're monsters. You know, we work in a, in a, in a, in a creative industry, and uh, I think I'm a very creative person, and it's very hard if somebody comes in and pitches you an idea that makes your stomach kind of clench. You just go, oh, my God, that is such a great idea. It's very hard to pass on that idea, even though it might not be right for Channel 5. Mm. Um, there are a couple of things I've had to just go, you know what, it's just not us. I just can't make... But <laughs> if I need to get around the schedule as well, then one of people are just going, this is a reputation piece. <laughs> we really need to do this, this is a reputation piece. Because, you know, the accused was just such a great idea. Could it be done? We didn't even know if it could be done. Mm. Uh, it's a bit like the abused, the domestic violence piece that we announced last week. You know, we didn't even know if it can be done. It's just such a great idea, though. You'd be crazy not to do it. And that is one of the great perks of the job, is that when something really special comes along, you can go... I'll take that. Thank you very much indeed. Mm. And there's more, and so there's more accused to come. Yeah, there's two more uh, in the current series of accused, and then we've started uh, working on the following series. So it'll sort of, you know, these will come along as individual pieces. They're very complicated to make, and the legals are, of course, are, are incredible. I mean, not that I really get involved, um, but the commissioning editor tells me that I can only have them every now and again. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, there was, and then Slum Britain. We're going to look at Black Britain 50 years on, which I think is. A fascinating story to tell. Mm. And then, of course, we're doing our, our, our big 90-minute piece on rape. I was very interested, you know, as soon as, as, soon as in, in, in chatting with the production company, sort of, you know, what are, the, what are the subjects that nobody covers in television? You kind of go, I want to know what they are. Why aren't they covered in television? Should they be covered in television? Could they be? How might they be? How would we if we were to? Um, and the idea of going into sort of lesser-explored territory is, is really exciting, I think. Mm. And then making it as either as, as you know, um, moving or as informative or as educational as, as, as you possibly can um, for, for viewers. Mm. Okay. What are your commissioning priorities for the rest of the year and going on into 2018? I think, uh, I think 10 o'clock is an increasing challenge for us. Um, we have our, our 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock are in, in, in rude health at the moment. Um, 10 o'clock we were given extra money for. Um, and we have had some very successful 10 o'clock shows, but it's got a voracious appetite, and there are very few um, 10 o'clock shows that can actually be series. So One Night With My Ex, which launched last week, mm. 
I was very encouraged by the launch of that, and I would love that to be a returning series from us at, for us at 10 o'clock. Um, I would love to find series that can play at 10 o'clock and do the, the reliable job of a lot of our eight and nines. That is a big challenge. We have a lot of one-offs, a lot of, lot of two-parters and three-parters. But there are two audiences at 10, and they're both very difficult to get. The one is the slightly younger skewing audience. Um, what can play after Big Brother? What could play after, you know, Rich House, Poor House? What can we... And then you've got your slightly upmarket audience. You know, we really do struggle sometimes with what you play after New Lives in the Wild or Chris Tarrant's Railway Journeys. You know, this slightly... You know, you've got the news on BBC One, you've got the news on ITV, you've got... You know, a lot of those ABC One viewers have gone. What is that tone? What is that feeling that is compelling enough to make you want to stay up? Because mm. 10, 10 o'clock's late, you know, when you're my age. You know, 10 o'clock is really late. Um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm usually in bed by 9.30 nowadays. Uh, so what is must-see enough to make you want to stay up beyond bedtime? And as I'm usually in bed at that time, I'm not sure I know the answer to that one. <laughs> and originations will remain at the heart of, of 9 o'clock. Without question. Well, I, you know, I, I can't see us going back to the old days, uh, certainly not while I'm in charge of Channel 5, of buying big American series. You know, there'll always be a place for acquisitions. Um, but I think increasingly we want to look at acquisitions as treats, short runs. Um, X-Files worked brilliantly for us last year. I think it was, what, six episodes, eight episodes? Um, that worked a treat for us. It was incredibly young skewing. Um, did mega numbers. In fact, our most successful acquisition ever on the channel, five and a half million for episode one. Um, and there'll be some more of those next year, another short run, which suits us fine. We can work around that. But the days of paying a quarter of a million upwards on a pilot that you have no control over, and you have no control over the series, and then they deliver you 22 episodes, and you have to commit to series two. So you have to commit to 44 episodes at huge amounts of money, and you have no say on the editorial. Mm. God, I mean, I mean, it makes my stomach squirm just thinking about how we, how we lived like that. It is so hit and miss. Whereas... You know, all our successful shows, Can't Pay Will start, uh, Can't Pay Will Take It Away started off at four episodes. And then it worked, so we did eight episodes. Then it worked, we probably did about 900 episodes. In fact, we've just commissioned 60 episodes. But, you know, when they work, you supersize them. But you've got to check they work first. Uh, GPs were six episodes. Then I think we did 10 episodes. Then you go, okay, this really does stick. Now we can take a bit of a risk and do, you know, two series of 12 or commission two years' worth or whatever. <laughs> um, but even when we commission in bulk... You know, it has to be one of those shows that really is delivering the numbers. So you know that even in two years' time, if it declines 20% year on year, each year, it'll still be doing above a million, which is still a good number. Mm. So a million is our benchmark. So uh, I, I, I can't see us going back to not at those kind of prices at that kind of risk. Okay. What, um, what does constitute risk-taking at Channel 5? Well, I think everything, I mean, I've, I've said this before, I, I, I think everything is a risk that is new. Mm. Um, you know, there are no guarantees with viewers as to uh, what will stick and what won't stick. Um, we've obviously got super risky projects like Gangland or The Accused you might not actually get. Mm. Um, then we've got risky projects like Rich House, Poor House, which are a very different tone. Or even One Night With My Ex, actually. You know, it was... It was a very, quite, quite a sophisticated show for Channel 5. Um, and I think it was a gear change for Channel 5. And I was... Some people were just disappointed in the ratings. I think we'd have liked 100,000 more. But you know what? 
the audience stayed with it. It's a great show, mm. uh, and I do believe we'll make it. We will, you know, recommission it. Um, uh, but that was risky for me. Whereas something like, well, but then again, you know, you talk about Jane McDonald. Jane McDonald is a risk for us because it, when I came on, you know, everyone's poo pooing it and going, ha ha ha, you know, it'll never work. Or Eamon and Ruth was a risk for us because nobody really saw that program. I mean, you know, the Yorkshire Vet is, it is what it is, what it is. It made sense to me. There's no guarantees it's going to work. Um, so I maintain that everything is a risk. Uh, I think there are degrees of risk. There is no such thing. There is no such thing as a slam dunk. And I really, I really hate it when people say it's a slam dunk because you know, we could say that Dirty Dancing is a slam dunk on Channel 5. God knows we play it, we play it often enough. And it rates. But you know what? One day it won't rate. And I tell you, it'll be like a seismic shock for the whole channel. It's like, oh my God, our touchstone has finally stopped rating. Um, so there is no such thing as a slam dunk. Everything has an element of risk. Never presume. I n would never presume to know my audience so well that I can guarantee they will come. We work very hard to try and make the channel as enticing as possible. You know, if you look at our days, there's, there's, a, there's a real flow across the week. You know, police interceptors leads into usually something about railways or trains or the tube or something uh, at the moment, uh, which leads into traffic cops. You know, that's kind of like they're in. Mm. And hopefully we're keeping them for the night and then Tuesdays, you know, Yorkshire vet followed by Yorkshire a year in the wild, second biggest audience in Yorkshire. You know, we're no schmucks. <laughs> um, you know, it's like biggest audience in Scotland. You know, it's like, where, where can we go next? Uh, you know, give them what they want. Jesus Christ, it's not complicated. Um, uh, and then on Wednesday, we would do uh, GPs into Can't Pay, into One Night With My Ex. I mean, that's a great night of television. You know, I watch Channel 5 just because I like watching Channel 5. Because uh, actually the nights are so good. And then Thursday you've got, I, I, mean, I particularly like it when you've got um, Bargain Brits in the Sun, Benidorm Bargain Brits in the Sun, and then Rich House, Poor House, and then whatever we played after Rich House. What did we play after Rich House, Poor House this week? It's a variety of things. It's a variety of things. That means it was women. actually Dirty Dancing. It was Dirty Dancing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we put Dirty Dancing in this week because we weren't sure that Rich House, Poor House was going to work. So it's like, I mean, you know, Craig would have said to me, I'll shore up the night by putting in Dirty Dancing. We've got a free run on it, so we'll shore it up. So we knew GPs would do like 1.3. Yeah. And Dirty Dancing would save our bacon if Rich, if Rich House, Poor House collapsed. And it ended up being probably our, our biggest launch of a new series since we did uh, On Benefits and Proud, you know, three years ago. So if, if, if one of these guys sees Dirty Dancing scheduled after their show, they know they're on a bit of a, a, bit of a knife edge. I'm a bit wobbly about yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're a bit unsure. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, you mentioned Jane McDonald. We've got a, we've got a clip of that to, to run. And that's, 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 you were telling me earlier, that's you, that's you in a show. I, I, had to watch the, I had to watch these clips. Uh, when I watched these clips, I started crying. And I couldn't work out why I started crying. And I'd, it is me. It's pure me. It, has been, it was a joy, that show. So we thought of it, walking the dogs. We tried to work out how to do cruises. You know, we knew cruises work. The thing about Channel 5 is it's incredibly simple. And everybody actually over really complicates it and overthinks it. You know, I don't want anybody to say uh, I'm not original. But if you look at all our shows, they've kind of been done before. There is no thing as a completely brave, a brand new idea. All ideas are a reinvention of old ideas. And every single one of our shows can be looked at and go, you know, that used to be on BBC Daytime 10 years ago. That was an old staple of ITV 15 years ago. That's a reinvention of well, blah, 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 blah for a new generation. And then if you break down the shows, they've actually got key ingredients. You know, when we commission something, I need to, I need to feel 
And it is about feel, it really is about feeling it and sort of it's about feeling, okay, I've got the right ingredients in the right order. It stacks up. I get, I, it makes sense to me, this show. So when you're talking about, we were talking for ages about how do we do wealthy people. We knew the other channels were doing rich lifestyles of the rich and famous, da -da -da -da, and wealthy homes, millionaires. And how do we do it? How do we do it? How do we make it ours? And it was only when somebody suggested Eamon and Ruth to me, when, okay, now I see the show, because now I've got a tone. I can see how they can go into people's houses, and they can have a bit of fun, and they can look under the bed and be nice, but also undercut it. We talked about cruising, and it was only walking the dog. Hang on, Jane MacDonald was on a cruise on BBC One. She's from Wakefield in Yorkshire. <laughs> She's a loose woman. That's a big ITV audience. Stick her on a cruise, and at the end, she sings a song. And everybody thought that the singing the song at the end bit was a kind of a joke. And I went, no, no, no. at the end, she sings a song. Mm -hmm. And then Greg, the commissioning, the commissioning editor, we'd sit in these meetings with the producer going, she sings a song, and then she writes, see you soon, love Jane on a mirror, and blows a kiss. And we just went, this is amazing. We love the show so much. Then we kind of went, OK, now we've just tipped into kind of like mad camp insa <laughs> insa insaneness. Mm -hmm. And the first cut that came through was the opposite of what I wanted. It was, uh, you know, I, I really felt that that show was a celebratory, feel-good, warm, inclusive, self-deprecating kind of show. I did aspirational. The first cut was horrible, but the second cut was bang on the money. And when I see this clip from the end of episode three, I think it is, this is the Ben Frau bit that makes, that made How Clean Is Your House, you know, a magic commission that, that, that made Nigella a great person to put on television. This is, because I don't really do it anymore. The commission is commission, and I'm very clear on the tone, and I'm very clear about why I like it, and, you know, I'll work with them on the positioning of it, and, you know, how I, how I think it should be for Channel 5. But there's very rarely, pre-title of the Yorkshire Vet, and this from Jane MacDonald, probably of me, my soul. Okay. <laughs> this is a bit of my soul, this. <laughs> And I think it took something that is sort of ordinary and has been done before, mm. and it sort of elevated it. And it's, I, we love the fact that people are trying to guess what song she's going to sing at the end of each show. Um, we're now doing a spin-off show. We're going to go into that old... We're going to do a uh, series with... A, it's like that old-style Petula Clark, Cilla Black, Shirley Bassey, 
Vera Lynn kind of show where she and her friends will sing songs. And she will go to factories and sing a song with some factory workers. Or she might go into an oil rig and sing a song with whatever it is. But, you know, sort of old style, feel good, being with the people you love, middle of the road, easy listening, <laughs> musical TV on Channel 5. There we go. Can't wait. <laughs> Um, before we get into the sort of process stuff a little, in a, a little bit, um, how has um, the balance is always inevitably commercial versus creative risk? How has working as part of Viacom changed changed that? Has it changed it? Well, it hasn't really changed it for me. I mean, I think they're slightly uh, slightly keener on the youngs, um, and they are very pro programming that can play on other channels. Um, but I've always, I've always been aware of the responsibilities of the job. You can't just be creative. You can't just do whatever you like. You know, when I was, you know, my first proper job was at Channel 4 um, in the features department, uh, and Emma worked with me there. And our job was very simple, two and a half million viewers on every show. That was the bottom line. If you didn't get two and a half million viewers, you had failed at your job. So whether it was How Clean Is Your House or Nigella Lawson or you know, location, location, or property ladder, or you are what you eat, or kitchen nightmares. Two and a half million was the bottom line, end of. And I remember, first show when I didn't get two and a half million was the dinner party inspectors, and I got 1.8 million. And I was devastated. I personally felt I had failed the channel. You know, and our job then was to be the sort of, you know, the driving commercial force of Channel 4. And I was very aware that our responsibility was to get bums on seats. It wasn't particularly sexy stuff. We only ever had one program marketed in five and a half years, which was Nigella Lawson. Um, and all the marketing and everything went to those programs that were made for uh, you know, large sums of money but got very little audience. But they were very important to the channel. They were very important to the brand. They were, you know, I was the workhorse, and it was quite right that my job was to bring in the money and other people could go and make those pieces that said something about Channel 4 and, and, and made the right kind of impression. And I, and I, 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 I took that... Um, uh, that sort of attitude to me when I went to Channel 5 originally, in my previous job at TV3, and also here. I couldn't do half the pieces I do unless I was getting the bums on seats. You know, the first, first job is to get bums on seats. You've got to get viewers. Mm. You get the viewers, you can get the money in. You can get the money in, that gives you an excuse to be able to go, look, you've got a lot of money here, now I'm going to have a little bit of an experiment here. We're going to evolve the channel, we're going to try some new things. And when I first came, I was very clear it was about ratings and revenue, but also reputation. We had to change people's perceptions of Channel 5. We had to make people go, you know what, it is undeniable Channel 5 is a grown-up channel whose programmes are just as good as anybody else's, for a fraction of the price, mm. with a much smaller team. I'm going to say it again, we have eight commissioners. Eight commissioners and a budget of 200 million. So my commercial responsibilities override everything. Um, and this is why you can never be complacent. You can never just assume, oh, I've done it now. It's all good. You know, you've got to maintain the quality of the program. How can we refresh it? You know, we commission another batch of police interceptors or GPs. And I'm constantly saying to the commissioners, you know, what can we do to make it feel special? How can you remind the viewers that, you know, they need to stick with this, that it's still rewarding, that we've not become complacent, that we're not taking them for granted, that we're, that we're, um, we're remembering that every week we have, to, we have to entice them in. We might add something onto the title. How do we make it feel special? Should we do a spin-off? How can we promote it in a different way? You know, it's, it's a constant battle out there getting viewers. As you can see, it's, you know, everything's declining. It's becoming very uh, fragmented. Um, 
so you, there's no taking anybody for granted. You work very hard on, on, the, on the shows you've got. Uh, you need to have the bankers then in order to do the really experimental risk-taking pieces. And we start off with four episodes of Jane McDonald, and then it works really fantastically well, and you go, great, that's a bona fide here. Actually, it was in week three when uh, Gogglebox launched against it. Or was that week two? Uh, it was week three, I think. Well, Gogglebox launched again. It was like, okay, can she hold her audience now? Because now you're playing with the big, the big guns. Mm. Um, and she held her audience. Okay, now we've got a hit show. Now we'll commission 45 of them. Mm. Yeah. She's touring for the, cruising for the next three years. <laughs> yeah, 101 different albums, songs from the end of the series on it. You've been warned. Um, the, so eight commissioners, budget of 200 million. What's the, what's the best way for an indie to, to, to approach you? What, what's, the, what's the process? How, how would they? Well, the process is you've got to get in touch. Yeah. Uh, I've always said I will always see everybody. I'll never say no to a meeting. Uh, you have to wait a bit, but I will always have a meeting. I, I, you can either prepare for that meeting in terms of, you know, who are we, what are we? You've got to watch the channel. You know, you can, you can come into the meeting with me and go, okay, this is a briefing meeting, in which case, let me find out from you, Ben, about the channel, where you are, what you want, and all that kind of thing. Or you can come in well prepared. But, you know, don't come in without watching the channel, without knowing about the channel, and then start pitching at me. Because you're just going to piss me off. Because mm -hmm. you're not going to pitch things that I want. You've got to know the channel. So you've got to watch the channel, really. You should really have a relationship with the commissioner. You should really find one of the commissioners that you like. And they're all here today. Actually, Sean, isn't, he's, in, uh, he's in Belfast, isn't he? Uh, and Steve's on holiday. Um, but anyway, five of them are here. So, six of them are here. So, you should really have a relationship with the commissioner, because we change very fast. You know, I do wake up in the morning and go, that's over, now we're going in this direction. I've, you know, my, my waters have told me. I've looked at the tea leaves, you know, this is the way we're going now. Um, and, and the commissioner can keep you up to speed with where we are. And it is about having a relationship, because not only are you up to speed on where we are, but we brainstorm a lot internally. No one knows the channel like we do. No one knows the schedule like we do. Nobody knows... You know, next October, you know, Craig, who's the channel manager and oversees all the scheduling, you know, he would sit down with me and go, okay, I'm looking at 2018, October 2018, now we've got this, and what we're a bit short of is this, and I'm going, okay, so we're looking for something that feels a bit like, mm, whatever it is, and the commissioners and I will sit down and go, okay, we need something that could play with, what would you play with Ben Fogle, or, you know, what would you play with, you know, we need something to replace Chris Tarrant's railway journals, or we need something to, what might it be, and we would brainstorm, and then we go, okay, who should we give it to? And you go, right, pick up the phone to whatever it is. You, you know, we like them, or give them a try, or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, a, a lot of stuff goes out from internally. Um, and, you know, you want to be on the list. And we like trying new people. We like giving people a, a, a punt. And, and the commissioners all have people that they like, who they respect, who they may not have worked with, but they have built up a relationship with. Um, so, you know, the cold calling, kind of dropping something in an email and expecting something to work is, is unlikely to happen. In fact, only once in my career have I ever commissioned off an email. Um, uh, you really do need the commissioners, because then we go through the budget round process, and if it's not with the commissioners, it can get lost. I mean, you can pitch to me directly, but it, it's much more likely to get lost. I'm much better at giving a, brief, a briefing. Um, but you've got to have a relationship. Okay. Um, Especially if you're small, and we do, you know, 15% of our money at the moment, and I, I'd like that to go up, is spent on companies with a turnover of 5 million or less. I really do like to put my money where my mouth is and, you know, support smaller indies. And it may not go right, and it may not work the first time, but, you know, as long as the attitude is, we're going to give you our very best and we're going to try our hardest, you know, we're up for that. We'll give you, we'll give you the support and help that you need. Um, 
and I'd much rather work with you know keen, enthusiastic people who maybe don't get it right all the time than bigger people who don't care as much. Okay. And um, would you? Is there a kind of general theme to your work to working with with indies? Are you collaboratively hands off, or does it vary from project to project? I'm very hands off. I mean, I'll have a conversation about the ideas. Uh, <clears throat> some ideas uh, are commissioned for pragmatic reasons. They're just useful pieces, mm. um, solid up against um, what we think the competition might be. Um, it might be a piece that can play at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, or 10 o'clock, so, you know, useful to have on the shelf, you know, useful scheduling tool. Um, I very rarely have very... I mean, Yorkshire Vet, I was very, very, very clear about the tone of that show. Mm when I saw the pre-title sequence, which I still think is the best pre-title sequence on television today. It makes me cry every single week because it absolutely says what that show is. It absolutely sets the tone for the viewer. I think that's why that show hit the ground running and has been a success ever since. Um, so I did want to see that to go, yes, you have got the tone right. I was very clear on that show. Um, I think I'm incredibly hands-off, really, aren't I? I mean, I know, you know, I might have our conversations where... One of the commissions is struggling a bit to be understood or be heard or, you know, having to go back in the edit suite or, you know, this has been delayed or whatever it is. But, you know, I, I don't believe on doing, in doing their jobs. They commission. Mm. I support them. Um, I'm there to be their sort of uh, go-to person. And, you know, how can I help them, steer them, advise them, warn them, whatever it is. But I, I think I'm quite, quite hands-on. I mean... I might give the odd note. There was a woman in GPs the other day who had very big legs, and he gave her some cream, and she palpably could not bend down to rub the cream into her legs, which concerned me. So I said to Emma, I'm a bit worried about some of the advice from the GPs. Um, <laughs> she passed it on, and then I... They love getting... I see what I do is I comment after the event. So I let them yeah. do their job, and then Guy did Michael Jackson last Sunday, and then I came in on Monday, and I said I hated the voiceover. <laughs> yeah. There's no point, you know, I didn't do it beforehand, because I just think, let them... These are their shows. Mm. Um, so I'm very, 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 very unintrusive. I don't, I don't interfere at all. I don't micromanage at all. I'm worrying about next year. That's my job. Their job is to worry about getting the show in the best state possible. Most of the times we win. Some of the times you lose. That's just the way it is. And how much, how much do you need on content and casting to actually invest in, in something? Uh, we might do the odd bit of casting tape, mightn't we? Um, on what have we done a casting tape on? There might be an idea where we go. This is a great area. We really like this area, but not sure if you can do it. You know, here's ten, 10 grand. Could you go and like do us a, a, a tape? To, I mean, GPs. Uh, sorry, MPs behind closed doors. Um, you know, I like the idea of it. It wasn't really very Channel Five idea. Uh, in truth, but I liked the idea of it, and I thought, you know, that could say something about us. So we gave them some development, because I wasn't sure they could deliver it. Mm. And when they delivered exactly what they promised they would deliver, it was like, well, well I have to commission it now. I mean, even though it wasn't really a Channel 5 show, I could not turn around and go, mm, sorry, but I don't really want it, because mm. it's like, they did proof of concept, therefore I had to back it. Um, so we did that. But most of the time, I mean, we commission on a title. Mm. I mean, we really do. We are, I'm incredibly instinctive. I mean, I can hear a title or two lines or a word in a sentence and go, that's, no, that's all rubbish. That's the bit that we want. That's the bit that I, I'm excited by. And then I might say to one of the commissioners, OK, I think there's something in this with these people. Go and interrogate it further. You drill down. You go and see if it makes any sense. You find, like, GPs behind closed doors. I mean, I love the 
10-minute tape that Jonathan Stadlin had made. He showed it to me first time I'd met him. I liked him. He was very charming. You've probably all heard this. Liked the tape. I went out. I said to Emma, I think there's something in this. Drill down. Is he flaky? Can he deliver? Is he any good? Is he just bluffing me? Is he a shyster? You know, is this boring? Would you be bored after 15 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, or whatever it is? So she did all the work. I just went, there's something in this. So I was lucky to be... But that could have happened the other way. Emma could have been showing it first and brought it into me. So we work very quickly. We do our budget round quarterly. Um, you know, I've now narrowed it down to 10 ideas per commissioner, because otherwise you're just drowning in it. So in the weeks before budget round, we will go through the ideas, and we'll talk about the mix, and we'll talk about, have we got enough range? And are we, are we, oh, we got a bit, are we a bit too heavy on this? And are we a bit too light on that? And, um, uh, and I sort of, I like to help steer the commissioners, um, but ultimately, it is their decision what they bring in. I think Guy, Guy brought in his 10 ideas, actually brought in 13, but that's by the by. He always, he always was ambitious. Um, and I can't count. Uh, so uh, he brought in his ideas, and I kept saying to him, gosh, you decided to bring this one in, did you? <laughs> he was like, golly, oh, golly, you decided to go with this one, did you? And it's in the back of my head, thinking, golly, I thought I'd steered him off all these ideas. Um, and then something like Blind Date happened, because Sean um, said at the end of his budget round, I've got a wild card for you. Mm. And we were packing up all the papers and just about to leave the room, and he played the title sequence of Blind Day. And I said, what is it? He said, we can do Blind Day. And I went, do we want to do Blind Day? Would we do Blind Day? Is it useful to us? And I think Craig said, oh, it could be useful at 10 o'clock, and maybe we'll do it with, you know, Vicky, whatever she's called, Patterson or something. Like, you know, okay, four and a half p an episode. Okay, fine, let's just do Blind Day. You know, so it was a throwaway mm. thing. And then um, Channel 4 announced they were doing... Street mate, so I was going, let's not announce blind date, let's not announce blind date. And of course, it got out, and it was like, whoa, okay, I'm going to have to rethink this completely. This is not going to be your 10 o'clock midweek bit of fun after mm. Big Brother. This is going to be right bang heart in the schedule again. Mm. And, the, and our lives changed forever. Yeah. And my budget changed forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll get to blind dates a bit later on, but um, just, uh, I, I wanted to very quickly talk, um, talk turkeys. Um, yeah. They don't, not everything works. Um, no, not everything works. And I thought it'd be quite interesting to talk about things that don't work and why, yeah, and why got, maybe things don't work. We've got a clip of, clips of a couple of shows yeah. that have, didn't, didn't hit them up. Yeah, these so. are two shows this year that, that didn't quite work for various reasons, which I'll go into. Yeah. To our little family and a new life in us. Six families are about to turn their lives upside down they embark on their journey to a new life. See the sea views rather than stuck in a car on the M25. Overcoming obstacles. The spider that's up there is what we call that a web spider. Everything that we've been thrown at us has been thrown at us. This is going to fly some sharks. And offering opportunity. Good job! Can I come out like Daniel Craig? We are literally living the dream. A new life in Oz. Let's go. Hold on tight. Run, run, run! I can't do it. Don't do it then! Like you not. Stay here for another day. The water is still rising. I'm gonna sink! There's crocodiles! Oh, please, don't, please don't, don't make me swim. Don't, don't, walk don't, walk don't tell me don't walk No, stop! I truly am scared for life. It all happened in the week we went wild. You know, not everything can work. Um, the, the first clip, New Life in Oz, uh, I think the thing I want to say about that is that that was the importance of the production company and the uh, broadcaster 
talking. You know, I was very clear about that program. I think Emma, who commissioned it, was very clear about that program. I watched it go out, and I was very disappointed in it because, it, to me, it didn't feel like it was what I had in my head. But, the, but what had happened is that there was a sort of big budget issue at the centre of it where they couldn't make what I wanted for the money, but I didn't know that they couldn't make what I wanted without the money. And if they'd run up and say, look, oh, hang on a minute, we can't take this commission, we can't give you what you want for this amount of money. I could give you A, B, and C instead, but I can't give you this. Then I have a choice to go, you know what, we either need to pay more money or we do a different show. But what I ended up with was a show that I didn't really want. It wasn't the show that I had in my head. That was the show that they could make for the money. And I would, you've got to have the conversation. Conversation, because while we all want you to make every penny into a pound, ideally, there are some things that can't be done, and you just have to make the decision about whether you're going to do it or not do it. Do it properly or don't do it at all, is what my mother used to say. Um, on the week we went wild, it's just one of those commissions. It was a really well-made program. But you know how it goes in television? There were just like sort of waves of stuff. You know, everyone's doing Bear Grylls, The Island, um, Adventure. <laughs> There's not a show in it which hasn't got a jungle in it, survival, da, da, da. and then that show came right at the very end when the viewers just went, you know, I'm really over this. I've really had enough of this kind of genre. Uh, and I think it was, uh, I, I, I commissioned that show it was a, a, from a meeting, and it was just, I didn't really think it through. And then we had a problem with the title just before transmission, and I think it just came at the end of the wave of that kind of programming, which was just bad timing. Um, there are always going to be shows that aren't what you wanted them to be and that don't work. And I think one of the big challenges that we have is, you know, when do you leave a show in and let it play out? And when do you pull it? And I know that it must be very distressing if you're an independent company to have your show that was commissioned for 9 o'clock pulled after two episodes or your 8 o'clock show moved to 7 o'clock or the fact it just might not play out for a year and a half. But, you know, we are constantly having to make decisions about where are we? Where are we with targets? Where are we given the market? The advertising market at the moment is going only one way at the moment post-Brexit, and it's not the right way. So there are increasingly uh, increasing budget pressures on ourselves, and obviously I imagine our, our, our commercial rivals. And we have to look at, you know, what are our targets and, and, and where, where are we comfortable enough to let something play out if it's not working? So, for instance, climbing the property ladder, not a big hit for us, but our Wednesdays were fairly low shares to beat. Therefore, I just made the decision to leave it in there. I knew we could suck that one up. But there are other times when you just kind of go, you know what, I've got to wrench this out of the schedule and I've just got to put something else up. You know, we just need to get a banker in there. We just need to get ourselves back on track. Or, you know what, that's an expensive show. I think we just need to move it along three months. Or, you know what, I commissioned about four things last year which don't have presenters on them, don't have famous faces on them. And I, I think it might be a step too far for our viewers. And uh, after a couple of tries this year, I've kind of gone, whoa, I think we just need to maybe hold our viewers' hands a little bit longer and maybe introduce them to this sort of six months or, or maybe nine months' time when maybe they've got more used to the idea. Maybe I was a little bit, maybe I just presumed our viewers were, as much, uh, were more up to speed than they actually are. And I think sometimes they're just not ready for it. They just mm -hmm. kind of go, whoa, too much. It's too different. They're frightening the horses. Um, I'm, I'm not ready for this now. That's not what I get on Channel 5. So... Uh, it's tough, but you know, we don't do anything lightly, and we're always aware of the fact that people put their heart and souls and money and people's jobs depend on these, these shows, and all you want is a hit and all we want is a hit. Mm. Um, but you, we also have to make very tough decisions. And turning, turning pennies into pounds, what are, your, what are you prepared to say about what your slot budgets are? What they are? Um, uh, I mean, it, it, it's, 
<laughs> nobody ever brings the program in on the price, or very rarely, but eight o'clock is generally 80 grand, yeah. and nine o'clock is meant to be 100,000 an hour, but it's more like 120. Um, and, you know, I've always said, Tim Gardner always said to me at Channel 4, you know, don't not commission anything because of the budget. And I've never been told I can't do anything, in fairness to the you know, team around me who make the money work and everything. And I can have anything I want. If I want to spend £400,000 on an hour of television, I can. But as Craig will say, that means that you've got a three hours less at nine o'clock, so you can put repeats in. I can do anything I want. Mm. But if I'm going to take you know, four nine o'clocks and make them one nine o'clock, that's three nine o'clocks I've still got to fill. I've still got to fill the holes in the schedule. You know, so they have to, you know, the challenge is to try and fill as many holes without having to go into repeats, because a repeat simply does not do as well as the, as the first transmission. Um, you know, so we always like it when uh, people can be near, us, near our budget. But I will say, as a creative person, the, you know, don't homogenize the idea to try and make the budget work before you bring it into me. You know, one of the things I feel very strongly about is the best ideas, the really bold ideas, the real game-changing ideas are pure ideas. They've not been, they've not had a bit knocked off here and a bit sanded off there and a bit softened there in order to try and make it fit. Um, you know, let's talk ideas and then work about what is the right price to pay for that idea, but also how you might make that idea right for Channel 5. And of course, one of the reasons we like our long runs is that we can commission in volume and then bring the price down a bit, you know. Um, but there's always a conversation. You've got to have the conversation. Okay. I'm glad you mentioned purity because I want to talk about nuns. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a new show coming up yep. called Bad Habits, which yep. we've got a clip of. So yep. if you show that, then you could tell us why, why that's a signature show for you. Why that's why well, I don't know if it's a signature show, but it's a, just a good idea. A good idea. I don't think that skirt's gonna be suitable. Hiya! It's all right, babe. Hang on, hang on. It's a spiritual journey. Change is very difficult. It's painful sometimes. What are you gonna do? Send us to hell? Just how can they not have had sex? Get up, pack it in. Let me begin. Deliver us from evil. Fuck, I'm a fucking nunnery. <laughs> Was that the working title, that last No. <laughs> what, a fucking nunnery? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it is what it is. It's Geordie Shaw meets Call the Midwife, essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, and it's incredibly redemptive. Uh, the nuns, the nuns are the stars of the show. Their worry about being unable to buy a plain blouse in Marks and Spencer's. <laughs> their, their views of life are so uh, reassuring. Um, and everything else kind of pales into insignificance when they, when they talk. They really do have a you know, good old um, eye on the meaning of life. And then you take, you know, I mean, we've got another piece coming out. Uh, with the, uh, we still don't know what we're going to call the bloody piece, but um, which looks at old people and young people and the huge divide between the age, the ages at the moment, with an increasingly aging population. You know, we speak a different, I mean, I'm 56. And I, I, I do feel increasingly alienated from younger people. I mean, I can't use gadgets and all that kind of stuff. It's like a whole new world. And, and, and this, this piece, the unnamed piece, uh, looks at how we can 
bridge the age gap, essentially. And that is, is a way of sort of bridging a spiritual gap. Um, what is fantastic about that is how the nuns miss the girls at the end, and the girls keep in touch with the nuns. Mm. And I think there is just not enough good in the world right now. I feel quite strongly about this. You know, there's too much slagging off, there's too much negativity, there's too much aggression. And in these darker times, uh, it, we just want some more life-affirming, feel-good, celebratory, joyous, inclusive television that you know, makes us feel good about our lives and, and, and reminds us that there is good in the world. Um, so it was commissioned on the title. We knew there was access, but I have to say, I think we've all been surprised by what we've actually got, which is funny, mm. as well as uh, a very rewarding piece of television. Okay. Um, Channel 5's been making some real strides in history programming and natural history programming <coughs> as well. Um, is there a Channel 5 twist to these, these genres? Well, I think you have to do everything differently. There's, there's no show that we have which hasn't got its own USP on it or doesn't come at, come at something from a different angle. Um, but at the same time, we know our audience, and we know the Channel 5 audience, look, we're not going to do the Georgians, mm. and we're not going to do Charles II. You know, that's not, it's not Channel 5, that's BBC Two. You know, we do what our viewers like. We do Nazis, Judas, Elizabethans, maybe a bit of Victorians. Uh, what else do we do? Uh, Pompeii, Rome. So, you know, they like, you know, they like it. It works for them. But every time we do it, you have to go, how can we, you know, I can't live with myself as a creative person unless I know that we, I can stand up and go, hang on a minute, we have done something different. So when we did Six Wives of Henry VIII, it was very much told, I wanted it to be about the relationship. I wanted it to be about the fact that Henry VIII spent seven years trying to get Anne Boleyn into bed. And she went, no, I'm not going to sleep with you until I've got a crown on my head. Then he makes her the queen, they have sex, and within three years he's chopping her head off. It's like, what happened? You were obsessed by this woman. You know, you cut ties off with, the, with, with Rome for this woman, and then within three years you've chopped her head off. What went wrong in the relationship? Like, something happened. So that was all about, you know, the emotion. It wasn't about the politics, it was about his, his emotion. We're doing Elizabeth uh, with Lily Cole, uh, playing, uh, playing one of the Elizabeths. Um, and, th and, and our take on Elizabeth is how, from the day she was born, Elizabeth had to fight sort of Elizabeth and her enemies, you know, whether it was her sister or her father or um, the Catholic Church or Philip from Spain or Mary, Queen of Scots or the Earl of Essex, you know, whatever it was, she just had to keep fighting and fighting. And even at the end, you know, the story goes that she stood in her room for three days. She would not go to bed to die. She was fighting death. And I love the idea that she just had to fight, 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 fight. So that's our take on Elizabeth. Um, and then when we do Pompeii, been done before, uh, you know, we all know the story of Pompeii, but you haven't done it over three nights as a stripped event with three different presenters telling different kind of, uh, different aspects of uh, the countdown to disaster. Or the Great Fire of London, which we're doing over three days uh, with three different presenters again. Um, and then I, I felt very strongly that we, we needed to have a really big piece, you know, in order to help, help people take us seriously. Uh, you know, what could we do that was, you know, I'm not going to say definitive or landmark, but a really big piece. So we said, let's do Rome. We know that Rome is a popular subject, but let's do eight hours on Rome. And let's do it the sort of classicist way. Let's get Bethany Hughes to front this up and make this the really, you know, a really meaty, intelligent piece of television to show that we can do this um, as well as other people. But we'll also do our very popular stuff, you know, Inside Windsor Castle, you know, The Queen Mum those kind of pieces as well. Eva, I quite like the idea at the moment of doing consorts. So we did a, a drama documentary on Eva Braun, which was a way of looking at the Second World War through you know, the partner of, of Hitler 
and we're going to do Wallace Simpson, which is a way of looking at the abdication through Wallace Simpson's eyes, and then we're going to do Prince Albert, which is a way of looking at Victoria, but not, not doing it quite straight on. So we all, you know, it's populist history, mm. um, but we always try and find, well, what's our take on it? Where are we coming from in order to be able to simply say it is a different take with, therefore, new information on the table? Okay. We've got a clip, actually, of um, Lily Collins, Elizabeth, and a few other shows you've got. Well, these up. are some of our, our, our other shows coming up in the next uh, few months. Well, now, really. We are entering the pot area. The 25-year-old Elizabeth walked through these doors. She was thrust into a bloody game, surrounded by danger. Such a wonderful town. New birth. Jump the gun to the save around here. Wow. Amazing. We're going down there. We are the lifeblood of London. Step into my office, please. When I was a kid, you were classed as posh if you had a doorbell. What that man? Hey, fucking drive these cars. How do you feel seeing me now? My heart's going. Were you ever unfaithful? There's a train going over our head right now. That's absolutely incredible. It's where the people I love live and it's where I want to be. What are you doing? Not bad. Not bad at all. No. Yeah, it's a rich house, poor house, one night with my ex, Yorkshire vet, building the underground, Elizabeth. Nice range there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the one thing that we couldn't have there because of the very nature of them is the quick turnaround documentaries. Mm. Um, you think of the Shannon Matthews one that came off the Moor yeah. side. What, um, what's, the, what's the thinking? How, how would you, how would you get that. one of those in front of you? Well, it's very, it's very, well, that came about because actually, when I first came, we did quite a few. We did the Ohio Slave Girls, we did the Phil Potts. Uh, we had three Fridays in a row where we lived off the missing Malaysian plane um, very successfully. And I, I like having that fast turnaround stuff, I think it makes us look reactive, it makes us look like we're not complacent, we're on the, you know, we're on the button, we're aware of what's going on. And we were in a, we were in a, um, we were in a half day brainstorm, myself and the commissioners, we talking about stuff. And one of the ideas which we're going to do is, is a new way of doing crime, which has come through on budget round. And one of the stories was going to be uh, about the, the author who was buried in the cesspit by her fiance. And, we were talk and I said, hang on a minute, why aren't we doing this now? Why, why don't, we can do it then, but why don't we just do it now? Let's, um, so that was a fast turnaround in 10 days. And Shannon Matthews, you know, it was a, it was a very good idea of Craig's in truth. You know, the Moore side was getting seven and a half million viewers on BBC One, and a lot of people want to know well, what happened next, and it's like, let's do it. Um, and then we have, I think it's this Thursday, don't we? We have the mother's story, which is Karen Matthews' story. There might be another Shannon Matthews piece <laughs> coming down the track. You know, we're, not, we're nothing if not... Um, What's the word I would use? Um, um, pragmatic yeah. when it comes to spotting something that will enrich the schedule and bring viewers to the channel. Mm. Um, but we, you know, I think you have to be, it's not everything that's happening in the news. I do have to feel that it has caught the imagination. And it's quite interesting. There are certain pieces that we've done where I don't feel it has caught the imagination and that it is not, something that the country are talking about. We may, we may be talking about it in London, um, but we are incredibly regional, and, and I don't feel like it has caught the imagination. I remember, I remember on the missing plane, I think we did that about, it was, it was a, over a week afterwards it, it happened, and it was waiting for that moment where suddenly this has caught fire. Now, 
This has captured the imagination. Now, this is being talked about across tables or in offices all over the country. This is the time when we strike. So I think you have to get the timing right, because there are a lot of things that happen all the time. And you go, it's good, it's interesting, it's happening, but nobody really cares about it or knows about it. Okay. We saw Lily Cole up there. Now you've got, um, you mentioned Bethany Hughes, Michael Portillo's coming on for a couple of shows. Um, Jane McDonald, there's Ryland. What's, what's, the, what's the kind of, is, is there a common thread between all this, all this talent? What's your strategy? Yeah, I think the common thread is that uh, people increasingly will, are very happy to come and work at Channel 5. Right. You know, whether it's Joe Brand or Alan Davis or Chris Tarrant or Ben Fogel or Eamon and Ruth. Um, uh, you know, I was delighted to get Michael Portillo. I mean, you, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I think five years ago, four years ago, a lot of people said I don't want to work at Channel 5. I think that, that you know, people can look at the body of work and go, you know what, they're making hit shows. They're making really good shows. They're starting to get some proper recognition for what they do. Um, you know, I was, when I was you know, wooing Paul Grady, although you don't really do much wooing, you just go with a big checkbook and say how much you want. Um, you know, my worry was, is that, and, and I, wrote, I wrote him a letter uh, saying, you know, my name is Ben Frow and I run Channel 5 and, you know, whatever. Uh, and uh, my worry uh, was that he would go, yeah, but not Channel 5. Um, and in that letter, I, I, I wrote a paragraph about how the channel has changed and how I wanted feel-good, um, celebratory programming more and how we were working on the quality of our programming, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think it's a fantastic range. I think it's a fantastic range of people. Um, I, I mean, I'm really, really pleased with that. And I, and I think as a channel, it's important to have faces. You know, I think it really helps people understand a channel better and, and understand the scale of a channel. Um, and what I like most about it is, is that most... Faces, we've created our own faces in people like Dan Jones, mm. um, Rob Bell, we've really built up, and, and we continue to use them. Um, Susanna Lipscomb's with the channel, that's, you know, it's great. But they also, I'm very happy for them to be on other channels as well. Um, but what I like about it is I like most of all taking them from something that they might do on another channel and do something different. So Eamon and Ruth in prime time was for me, you know, I love to be able to do that. I love being able to take Alan Titchmarsh from ITV and putting him on the National Trust you know, the National Trust is not a Channel 5 program. When that was pitched at Budget Round, I was going, our viewers, I don't believe, I don't know this is a fact, but my instinct tells me, our viewers don't know what the, what, what the National Trust is. Most of them don't know what it is. They certainly think it's exclusive. They think it's for posh people. Um, and they would be slightly intimidated by it. So if we're going to go down that route, how do I say to the viewers, don't be frightened of the National Trust? So then we thought, if you put Alan Titchmarsh on it, it makes them go, oh, if Alan's doing it, it must be all right. It can't be that frightening. It can't be that intimidating. I can go there too. And I, that might be a quite a simplistic way of thinking about my viewers. I don't know. But it's about the positioning of a program that makes it as accessible as possible to the widest range of peace people possible. So you want the National Trust people to go, I like this program. It's giving me something that I didn't know already. It's inspired me about where I might go at the weekend, and how I might use my membership. And to people who would be intimidated or not know what the trust, National Trust is, it's an introduction into a whole new world that they can be part of. Um, so I think, I think faces can be incredibly useful. They set the tone of a program. They can set the ambition of a program. Uh, we've got one project coming through, which I can't talk about. I can't say who's doing it. Um, it's, it's so left of field, it's, you know, right the way around the block with a great name on it, and that will, again, say something about the programme. Well, you know, the talent that made Slum Britain, who'd have thought they would come and work on Channel 5? So I think it all helps in, in, in the positioning of Channel 5, what we're doing, where we're going, and what we've achieved. Okay. The bell helpfully told to tell me that 
it's about time to open it to the floor, but I do have one last question, um, which is about you know, a, bit, a big new player, BBC Studios. What are, what's your, what, what are your thoughts on, on, their, on, on their pitching ideas? You know, how do you feel about them? I'll, I'll take any idea from, from, from anybody. I mean, in a way, I kind of want to commission BBC Studios because I think a load of other people won't. Um, and I quite like being first. And, um, you know, but, you know, it'll depend on the idea. Mm. Look, there's, there's no denying they could probably make great shows. You know, they've been making great shows for a long time now. Um, I don't know if they can do it on our budgets, but that's a different matter. But uh, I don't really care who, uh, who the idea comes from. If they want to work with me, I'd like to find a way to work with them. And that applies to the teeny tiny company up to the great big company. But you, can't, you kind of want to work with us. Mm. Um, uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think it'll be tough for them, you know, going in the outside world and, and, and being competitive and, and not having that sort of wonderful guaranteed stability. Mm. It's a tough old world out there, you know. It's ruthless. Um, but I'm open to talking ideas with anybody and everybody. Great. There's nothing. There's nothing like talking about ideas. I love ideas. Okay, lovely. So yes, if anyone's got any questions, we have roving mics. If you could just say who you are and where you're from, that would be really helpful. So, any questions? What were the overnights like? Yeah. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Yes, there's a mic just coming round. Yeah. What were the overnights like? Hello, I'm Kentez Bryan, and I'd like to know two things. Even though I'm an oldie, I do work with young people. I'm working on a major thing at the moment, but I'm not going to ask about that. Um, um, do you ever do co-productions, like, for instance, with, for instance, Amazon, and you, you'd invest with? Not at the moment, but uh, we... If it's global, you know, big. Uh, I don't really... Um, uh, not at the moment, but that doesn't mean to say that we wouldn't. Isn't, isn't that right? Um, what we would do is go, really like this idea. This is the maximum we can sort of put into this. If you want to find the money elsewhere, that's fantastic, great. And we have quite a few co-productions with Blink. You know, they will ask, either ask us for some top-up money. Link. 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 All right, um, so there are a few. We haven't actually sat in a room and put two people together. Um, if it was a very small company, we might say, would you mind ponying up with a slightly bigger company to sort of give you the support you need? So we wouldn't say no. Um, don't do it that often. But So is it a good idea to approach a commissioner of yours to, um, with great ideas, maybe more than one, and they would say, you can do that with this company, we think, rather than saying we've already approached the production company. Uh, I can be either way. I okay. think it can be either way, actually, yeah. And, okay. So I was going to ask about big budgets. No, that's great, fantastic. I would like to see who your commissioners are. Oh, do you want, should we, should we, do you want to just... Yeah, if you could introduce them. Mm. Oh, you're telling me, Ingrid. Okay, so, uh, should we start at this? So, Guy, do you want to stand up? So Guy Davis, so Guy, so everybody does everything. They all have, you know, returnables, one-offs, you know, two-parters, whatever it is. So it's a real broad range. When you're at Channel 5, you do a little bit of everything, which I think is great. But then they also, you could say they sort of have their speciality. So Guy's speciality would be documentary, you could sort of say. And Lucy, sorry about this, everybody. So Lucy Willis, so her speciality would be specialist factual and history, but it doesn't mean to say that it's exclusive, you know. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Lara. Lara, sorry, Lara. Oh, no, I was actually trying to think about how to pronounce it. Lara, who's joined us from the um, Cultural Diversity Group. Now, at the moment, she's looking after Matthew Wright in the news, but there's a whole range of programs that she will also be looking after, and she is part of the commissioning team. Emma Westcott, again, looks after everything, but I would say that Emma's probably speciality is the sort of 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock returnables. Greg Davis. Greg, a guy, what's your name? Greg Barnett. <laughs> or, 
You know, I'm terrible on it. As soon as I get facts and figures, my brain goes. Or, or Greg Barnet, if we're feeling particularly camp. Um, so Greg, again, you know, Yorkshire vet and, and Returnal, but also would do uh, the story of countdowns, when magic goes horribly wrong, those kind of shows. Then you've got Sean Doyle, um, who's in Belfast at the moment. Uh, he looks after, he's doing Blind Date, uh, but also does Police Interceptors and The Gadget Show. So big range there. And then Steve Regan would tend to veer towards the entertainment. So he's your lip sync battle, Big Brother, um, uh, The Great Divide, or whatever we're calling this age gap program, Th those kind of shows. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. I missed out somebody. Oh, and then Sebastian Cardwell. So Sebastian is sort of new on the team. Um, he's actually the channel manager for Five Star, but is uh, being charged with sort of looking after 10 p.m. because he's got that sort of younger skew. Five Star is, uh, Five Star is a younger skewing channel, um, and therefore he's sort of in that world, and, and he's joined the team to sort of concentrate on 10 p.m. And that's the team. Great. Thank you. Um, anyone else? Yes, just Stuart Purvis, I helped to write the application for licence 20 years ago, so wow. first thing to say is happy birthday. Thank you so much. Channel 5. Um, reflecting, uh, Ben, o over the owners of those, over those two decades, we started off with some very respectable British companies. They then sold it to a very successful German company who made, turned it into a loss. You then had Richard Desmond, whose only experience was running porn channels. And now you've reached a relative stability with American ownership. So any reflections on this relationship between ownership and success? Uh, I think Richard made a huge success of Channel 5 in many ways. I mean, he stripped out a lot of the nonsense. Um, I think it was probably quite indulgent. Look, when I was last at Channel 5, I, I, I was poached from Channel 4. And um, I, I could make anything I wanted. Anything. There was no thought applied to, do we really need it? Should we do it? Is it the right idea? I mean, I literally go to my boss and go, let's do Killer Shark live. Fine, there's X million pounds. Let's do cosmetic surgery live. Let's do, I mean, I could do anything I wanted. I mean, I think it was incredibly indulged in those RTL days. Um, I was never refused. I mean, I might have been talent, but um, I, I, I was not refused anything, and I'm not sure that that was, that was right. Um, and there were a lot of people. I mean, the commissioning departments, I mean, there were like three people in history, and... I had four people in features and entertainment and, you know, much bigger teams then. And I think a lot of that was sort of stripped out, that sort of indulgence was stripped out. And I'm, I'm kind of all for it, you know. I, I, I've got this funny thing where I sort of don't mind there being less money. It makes you work harder as to how you spend that money. Um, and actually, Viacom might have more money, um, but they also, they're big, you know, global, corporate organized, very different, very different culture. Um, and they like to see a return on their investment. Um, and uh, there's not much room for indulgence, which is no bad thing, to be perfectly honest. I'm not sure I can... I mean, I think Channel 5's had a lot of ups and downs. And I think it has had more bad times than any other channel. And I think it has got an unfair reputation for, you know, uh, by mistake in a way. I'm not sure it's done everything brilliantly, don't get me wrong. And I'm sure there are programs that um, it was a mistake to have made. Um, but I don't understand why there is this, it's so easy to bash Channel 5, and I just find that slightly demoralizing. You know, the, I only ever ask that it's fair out there. <coughs> We're all doing our best. We all have some hits, we all have some misses, 
we all try to be good people. We all try to work with great people. We all try to give, you know, a helping hand to whoever. And I just wish the perception of television out there was a little fairer and that we got a little bit more kudos for what we do. Very happy to put my hands up about some of the things we've done that are not right. And I'm sure I've commissioned some programs which, you know, in reflection, you kind of go, maybe I shouldn't have done quite so many of those or whatever it is. But, you know, and I'm going to mention it because, you know, but when you come to a program about benefits, you know, for a commercial channel, we were first off the mark with that four years ago when it was on the front of every single newspaper, virtually every single day. And it was incredibly successful financially for the channel. It skewed upmarket and young. And finding a show that can do upmarket and young together is very, very, very hard. And it would be irresponsible of me to just go, we're not going to do it anymore. Now, we're in a place now where we can, you know, let it go because we've got other things coming through. But when you're trying to turn a channel around, when you're trying to you know, build an audience, when you're trying to create a schedule where people can come in at 8 o'clock and we'll stay with you through, you can't just cull things because the chattering classes or whoever decide that they don't like it. So you've always got this kind of tussle between what you're doing for your viewers, what you're doing for your bosses, what you're doing to try and make the, you know, the critics and the broadsheets write nice things about you, what you're trying to do to get some bloody awards, you know, and you're being pulled in all these different ways. And at the end of the day, all you can do is try and do your best. And ultimately, ultimately, the most important voice is the voice of the viewer. Because if the viewers are watching, it brings in the money. And if the money's coming in, that gives me the freedom to be creative elsewhere. So I, my ultimate boss has to be the viewer, not you know, the Viacom people, not the critics, not the BAFTA juries. It has to be the viewer. If I've got to put them first, and I will sit in a meeting, and they come in on a Tuesday, and we look at the schedule, you know, every Tuesday at 5 o'clock, and we see what the competition are doing, and I see something like, you know, because we've got to play repeats, so we put, you know, there's a, um, you can't pay, we'll take it away at 9 o'clock, or 10 o'clock on a Friday night, and go, no, I don't want to watch that on 10 o'clock on a Friday. Yes, but, you know, we need to mop up the money, and I'm getting, I understand all that. But as a viewer, I don't want to watch that at 10 o'clock on a Friday. I want to watch something else on a Friday. And we have lots of discussions where... You know, the scheduling team are trying to balance the money and the runs and the competition and everything. And I'm going, I just don't want to watch that on a Tuesday at 9. It just feels like a Thursday program. And he's going, Jesus Christ, I can't be indulging with what you know. Never mind what your water says. But I'm going, I really feel very strongly that... So ultimately, it's, it's, it's the viewers. I'm not sure that answers your question at all. all. All I know is it has been through some very dark times. And I think the dark times have, have, have overshadowed the good times. And... When you take a step back and you look at what it's done, it's also done some great things. And when we did a rebrand a year and a half or two years ago, the thing I really wanted to keep more than anything was the spirit of Channel 5. It always had a spirit. It always had a spirit with the Spice Girls, that launch night. It was always slightly left of centre. It was always slightly self-deprecating and fun and didn't take itself too seriously and wasn't of the chattering classes and was much more of the people. And um, I hope we've retained that spirit, but at the same time, we've added on some lovely layers of authority and intelligence and creativity and, and dare I say class? I don't know, maybe, not, maybe, not? Cla maybe class not? is a step too far. Yeah. Um, yes, uh, where should we go? Just uh, back there. Hi, uh, my name is Danielle. I'm from Balloon Entertainment. Um, I just wanted to know more about Channel 5's commitment to drama and comedy. Well, we're committed to comedy in that we, uh, we just finished wrapping our second series of Borderline. Um, I think it's very hard for us uh, to do comedy. Last summer, we tried a sort of summer of comedy and entertainment. We had Borderline and um, It's Not Me, It's You and The Ryland Show, Lip Sync Battle. But 
if I'm really honest, I don't think our viewers are ready for it. I think we jumped too soon. I think we were too ambitious too soon. I think it just, it's not what we're known for. And um, if that might work on Channel 4, and it might work on ITV2, but I think you have to be... I mean, look at, the, look at the nightly show on ITV. You know, it's very hard to introduce something new um, and for viewers to just lap it up. So we, we're not in a position where we could just sort of have these shows that didn't work very well sitting there, but Borderline was really well received, um, and it was, I think it's a fantastic little show. So we decided to recommission that. We'll have to schedule it very differently. I would love to have originated drama, but again, not a lot of it. There's so much on ITV and the BBC. Where would we schedule drama? Bear given in mind we're always going to be the, you know, the last board to call for drama. There are some places when I'm Celebrity is on, we could do drama, providing an alternative. Um, but at a time when the money is getting tighter, that is not now a priority. I would love to have had drama this year, but I don't think it will happen now, necessarily. I just don't think we're going to have the money to put in that, you know, we're talking 400,000, you know, kind of standing start, really, before you even begin. And I just don't think we're going to have that kind of money. But copo opportunities, top-up money, always happy to have a conversation. I just think it's harder for us to put big sums of money against something that is not repeatable, much higher risk, limited in where we can play it, as opposed to our factual stuff, which, you know... I think Channel 4 are probably the same. They have not a lot of drama. It, it, they have the same sort of challenges. Um, Hi Ben, uh, Miranda from Broadcast Magazine. I just wanted to ask you about um, nations and regions um, in terms of your commitment to nations and regions now and where that's going uh, in terms of forward. Well, I really want it to be bigger. Uh, in fact, we, uh, in our uh, commissioning away day or away afternoon, um, one of the priorities is, is working more with nations and regions. We're really big outside of London. I'm not sure that we reflect it uh, enough in terms of who we work with. Um, so we're doing things with Matchlight in um, Scotland and True North and obviously, you know, 2-4 and, and places like that. We've gone on a... Uh, we're trying to do a sort of a tour of the country. Um, we went to Belfast, myself and Sean Doyle, to meet people both in Belfast and then we went down to Dublin and met people in Dublin so that we can try and build up a relationship with companies there. I went to Cardiff with Guy and spent a day in Cardiff. Uh, we did uh, one-on-ones with probably about 15 different companies there. Did a bit of a briefing beforehand. We're going up to Scotland in a couple of weeks. I think Emma and I are going up to Scotland in a couple of weeks. I think we need to do that a lot more and I think we need to do it more often. Every year we should be going up and meeting people. Um, but I think it is also a two-way street. And, I, you know, look, I'm not an independent. I'm not an independent because I can't even begin to imagine how hard it is to be an independent. Um, but really, in order to help yourselves, it is about finding that relationship and about... A, you've just got to keep in touch if it's just by email or a phone call once every six weeks. I know there's a company down in Bristol that made the commitment to Sean that they would have a phone conversation or a meeting every six weeks. It took about a year, but finally they managed to get a commission away because they just understood the channel enough. You've just got to be persistent and you've got to hang on in there. Um, I, one of the things I'm most... You know, I, love, I kind of love being the underdog. Um, and I love the fact that we have such a commitment to small companies. At the moment, it's 15% of our budget. I'd like it to be more. I mean, the more I spend with smaller companies who deliver great shows, the better. Um, I believe in helping small companies grow. I think probably my proudest achievement is the work we've done with Knickerbocker Glory, 
uh, and the way we've been able to support that company, and uh, Daisy Beck in Leeds, which has transformed um, his company, his life, 60 people that he employs now through the Yorkshire Vet. I mean, this is, this is it's really, really, really um, valuable emotionally. You know, when you get a card saying you have no idea how you've tra transformed the local business, and Thirsk, where the Yorkshire Vet is situated, has now become a tourist destination, and all the local businesses are booming, you're going, wow, we really can make a difference. I would love to make more of a difference to the nation's regions. Uh, you know, uh, not on the record, but, you know, I'm much less worried about the people who have big established companies with you know, tentacles going out all around the world and all that kind of thing. It is the smaller, hungrier uh, company that can do it. It just needs that break to get there and suddenly build a, build a business properly. Um, I'm very keen to help that. Okay. So, yeah, so very committed to nations and regions. We'll be touring more. But it's a two-way street. We can come out to you, but you need to come down to us, and you, not come down to us, but you know, keep in touch with us and build on those relationships. You know, when I, when I meet somebody, there's no point in me not seeing you again for another 18 months. You know, or, or a commissioner not seeing you. you need, you've got to follow through, get to know us, talk to us, become people that we um, can turn to when we have ideas that we want to share, or, be, or for us to be the first people that you want to bring something to because you understand what we're looking for at this particular time. Great. Hi, Ben. <coughs> uh, my name's Ben. I'm a YouTuber and a content creator. And I was wondering, you mentioned that you've only commissioned one show from an email. So if somebody doesn't have a production company under their belt or in connections with, in that respect, how can somebody go about getting an idea under your nose or... I really think place. you should go to a production company. You, there must be somebody near you who can help nurture you, who can, you can do an arrangement with, who can look after your ideas and sell, help you sell your ideas. I, mean, I, I would be very... I, mean, I just probably just wouldn't take an idea from an individual. Um, that doesn't mean to say that, you know, I can't have a conversation, but at the end of the day, it, it, it's... For me, it's... I kind of need the reassurance that there is somebody around the individual who understands how it all works and how it could possibly translate into reality and how it could possibly be made and what the budgets might be and everything. And I think an individual just talking about ideas, it's, it's slightly un it's not unsettling for me, but I think it's much more challenging. I can't think of anything I've ever... I mean, when the, the one I did off an email was from uh, a very big production company. Um, so it's that, it, it's that hard. So from an individual... Also, for your, own, for your own sake, you know, if you're trying to get in to see me or to see one of my eight commissioners or trying to get into Channel 4 or ITV or BBC, you know, it's very, just to get your foot in the door is, is the hardest thing. Now, I've always said, um, I'll, I'll meet with anybody and everybody, you know, fill up the diary. If you're with a production company, it would just make it so much easier for you um, because all you're going to be generally told is you need to go and find yourself a production company. So wherever you are, you can, you can contact us and we can help steer with a couple of you know, people who might be in your area, but both um, geographically and in terms of the kind of programs you want to make. But that would be my personal advice. Okay. I also you. feel there was a lovely lady I met, I think at the Sheffield Documentary Festival, and she came in to see me on her own. She was all alone. I said, you're all on your own. You're literally in your kitchen coming up with ideas. You've got to go with somebody. You've got to ask somebody to umbrella you or find a buddy. How can you develop ideas and not have someone to talk to? How can you develop ideas and not go, is this good, is this bad, would this work at Channel 4, do you think I should take it to Channel 5, you know? Please find yourself somebody. And she did. 
And then she came in to see me. She said, it's changed my life. I now feel I can, I can do the job. I feel you've empowered me. I feel now I've got a support system. I mean, it was transformational for her. And I think she then got a commission, which I was absolutely delighted about. But really, don't do it on your own. It's so bloody tough anyway. How anybody on their own can run an independent, I do not know. You've got to have people around you to help you through the dark times and to celebrate the good times. We all need you know, pull together. We all need a buddy. Right. Okay, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. Thanks very much for your questions. As I say, Ben, ben and the team will be around afterwards. So.